Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking and bread and prayers. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Lift your voice with me one more time. Jesus, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Church, will you do that with me for a few more moments? Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. seated. So I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes this morning on apostolic. Apostolic. Who are we? I tell you right now, it feels like we're a bunch of tired people that aren't used to cold rainy days and didn't drink enough coffee this morning. And start handing out caffeine pills as people come into service. But who are we? Are we just another... Are we just another denomination? Are we just another group meeting in another building on a Sunday morning? Are we just going through the motions, following a tradition, what we're used to? What are we? What are, what are we exactly? Are we just people that dress different? Are we just people that miss out on some fun locales? In a world who doesn't know who they are, are we just people that have gender distinction? Are we just people that have understanding of modesty and holiness if that's the case are we just any different from Amish or Mennonite groups what are we because that's an important question because if you want to see apostolic results You've got to understand that God expects you to be apostolic. And there's certain things that happen. Certain things that are expected when you're apostolic. What is apostolic other than a word that most people can't pronounce? I, you know, I, I give the church name often, not only because I work here, you know, filling out papers, doing tax exemption, and... Uh, all the time, I, I, I hear people read it back to me. I've heard apostolic. I, I, I've heard apa, uh, apa, what's that word? 
I've heard about every rendition of it. In fact, one day I was at Home Depot and I gave the number for the tax exemption. She said, Apostolic Lighthouse. I said, you said it right. <laughs> I think she had been apostolic at one point in her life. What is apostolic? What does it mean? Do you, your children know? Do your grandchildren know? What is it? Is it just something that keeps them from doing some of the things that their friends do? Is it just something that means the name that's written on the building? What is it to say that you're apostolic? Well, if you want to look at the definition of the word, it means of or pertaining to the apostles, especially in consideration of the doctrine. What are we? We are people who follow what the word of God says to do, as was delivered to us by the apostles who first received it from Jesus himself. Jesus Christ spent three and a half years ministering and training 12 men. Even Jesus lost one of them. <laughs> three and a half years of earthly ministry. Three and a half years of miracles, signs and wonders, sermons on the mount, preaching from the boat, walking on the water. But really those three and a half years... He only had to die for us, but those three and a half years were spent here to train 12 men. 12 men who after he died, rose from the grave, and ascended into heaven. Those 12 men, when they would be filled with his spirit, would be his apostles, the sent ones. Now, there are modern-day apostles. There were more than the 12 apostles we read of in the New Testament. Paul and Barnabas were called apostles. Others were called apostles. But there's only the 12 that set the doctrine. And these 12 men were trained by Jesus for three and a half years. We call it the, the apostles' doctrine because that's what it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 as we just read. But it's not really the apostles' doctrine. It's the doctrine of Jesus Christ that he gave to those 12 men and those 12 men then distributed it. When we see him on the mountainside dividing the little boy's lunch and handing them the fish and the bread, breaking it and giving it to the 12. And then the 12 gave it to the rest of the crowd. And those thousands and thousands and thousands of people were filled with their, had their stomachs filled. They were physically filled. The miracle happened when Jesus handed the bread and the fish to them. It didn't multiply until those 12 men, and we know the 12 gave it out because they had 12 baskets afterwards. Those 12 men, when they began to distribute it, that's when the multiplication began to happen. It was an earthly sign of what Jesus was going to do after the resurrection. The bread of life that he gave to those 12 men. That word of God, the power of God that he gave to those 12 men was going to be multiplied in their hands and go throughout the world. When we say we're apostolic, we're not saying we dress funny. 
and the men keep their hair short and the women keep their hair long and all those things are good and all those things are wonderful and a life of holiness certainly has to do with being apostolic. But when we say we are apostolic, we are not just talking about the name on a side of a building, but we are tracing our roots all the way back to the word of God and saying this is what the book says. This is what the book expects and this is what I'm going to live because this is what the book teaches. Jesus in Mark chapter 16 in verse 15 he gives his great commission. This is a description of the apostolic church. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, we lose so much from the King James. I, I grew up on the King James. It is my preferred Bible. My problem is because I grew up on it, when I read another translation, I translate that Bible back into King James because that's what I memorized. And when I read the King James, I translate it into modern English in my head. So we're at the shrub. But I tell you, I have become a little disenfranchised with it because I realize how little of it our young people are understanding and how much of it we gloss over these words without understanding what we're saying. This is what he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. I'm not a hellfire preacher. I think that the power of God is the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. And I know this fear is temporary, and fear might provoke a reaction that someone responds in that moment. But fear doesn't last forever. That's why when Jesus gave the parable of the rich man in hell... He said, at least let Lazarus go and talk to my brothers so they don't come to this place. He thought the fear of someone coming from the dead would somehow turn his brother's lives around. But Jesus said in the parable, he's talking to God and Abraham. He said, they have the law and the prophets. They have the word. Fear is temporary. And so I'm not here to speak fear. But you need to understand the apostolic doctrine is important. And I'm not talking about the United Pentecostal Church International, of which we are part of. I'm not talking about a set denomination. Because there's apostolic works, apostolic groups, apostolic organizations all around this world. There's thousands of them. And there's people that live an apostolic life that call themselves by another name. I'm not talking about a denomination, but I'm talking about the doctrine that was once delivered to us. It's important. It's a heaven or hell issue. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. But I tell you what, when you don't understand that scripture, it makes it a whole lot easier to sit in the restaurant and not even be bothered by the waitress that's clearly hurting. When you don't understand that scripture, it makes it a lot easier to sit in the lunchroom at work and not be bothered that that person you see every day doesn't know the truth. 
when you don't understand that scripture, it makes it a whole lot easier to go about your life and binge yourself on, on streaming on Netflix or Hulu and just enjoying life and vacations and trips and this and that. It makes life a whole lot more enjoyable when you don't understand that scripture. But when you understand Jesus is talking about the apostolic doctrine that you must repent of your sins, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you don't, you're going to be damned. Oh, I believe in a merciful God. We have a merciful God. But everything else that we talk about is just speculation. And I can hear people online, oh, I knew that's how they were. Listen, I don't know everybody's experience. And it's not my job to put a person in hell. And it's not my job to put them in heaven. My job is to tell them what the word says you must do. And Jesus said, except a man be born of water and spirit, he can in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. That's not my words. That's not Nick's words. That's Jesus' words. Jesus, the one who is love, Jesus, the one who is mercy, said there are some absolutes. But what happens behind the doctrine? You know, sign, you're not supposed to just come to church. You're not supposed to just come to an apostolic church and leave. Something's supposed to happen when you come into an apostolic church. But when you come in and, you know, it's rainy and you just enjoyed your pumpkin spice latte and... I don't know why people drink that stuff. And you come in and it, the pew's comfortable and we have these God-forsaken armrests that make people way too comfortable. You know why other churches don't have them? Because it's a lot harder to fall asleep when you're going to lean over on the next person. You are cursed with comfort. <laughs> and you sit back and we've got the lazy boy of church pews. And it's rainy outside and it's warm on the inside. And it's easy just to relax and go through the motions like people are doing in denominational churches all around the world this morning. But I tell you what, if I wanted a Methodist experience, I'd go to a Methodist church. If I wanted a Baptist experience, I'd go to a Baptist church. Oh, they got a lot of good things going on. They do a lot of good around this world. But if I wanted that kind of experience, that's the kind of church I'd go to. And you can go down the list, Catholic, Orthodox, Presbyterian, Lutheran, go right down, all through. There's a lot of good things about it. But if I wanted that kind of experience, that's the kind of church that I'd go to. But I'll tell you what, I didn't come to an apostolic church looking for a denominal experience. I came to an apostolic church because I wanted to experience what the apostles experienced. I want to experience what the book of Acts says is mine to experience. I don't want to come in and go through motions. I don't want to wake up tomorrow and say, well, I don't have to do that again till Sunday. No, I want to wake up tomorrow and say it's only six more days. Six more days and I get to walk in to an apostolic environment. I want to be apostolic from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And you say, well, you get carried away. That's all right. 
Abraham Lincoln said he likes to have a preacher that looked like he was fighting bees. And that was honest Abe. What happens in an apostolic church? Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We say we didn't walk in here handling snakes. No, that's an Appalachian thing. And going around handing out antifreeze and communion cups. Well, let's answer a few of those things. First of all, the scripture said, and Jesus quoted, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Your life is not something that you gamble with. What is he talking about here? Is he talking about real snakes? Well, yes, we read it. Paul picked up, a, was bitten accidentally by a real snake, and God protected him and kept the poison from affecting him. Sister Shirley Cole was bitten by a king cobra snake twice in the arm. It double tapped her. And God miraculously protected her. She just had a little bit of soreness in that spot. Arm didn't swell or anything. God protected her. So will he protect from physical snakes? Yes. If you're not out there wrestling them. <laughs> I think this is talking about Evil spirits. In fact, I'm almost certain. In fact, that's what a lot of people say. This is talking about serpents and people and serpents of spirits that are sent to attack and God will protect us. If we drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. It doesn't mean you're supposed to be going around sipping on poison, but it does mean there is protection from God Almighty. How many times has God protected you? How many times has God delivered you? Last time I checked, he still protects. Last time I checked, he still delivers. Something's supposed to happen in an apostolic church. This speech has continued or picked up again, I should say, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus talking to the crowd. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Do you know there's 500 there? Only 120 in the upper room. They heard it. They saw him. They didn't stick around for it. You know why? Because some people are satisfied by seeing something in a distance. And others are determined to have it happen within them. I don't want to just say I saw something. I want to have it in me. I want to have it in me. I don't want to just say I've heard about what God can do. I want to take part in what God can do. I'm not satisfied looking on from a distance, but I am determined. No matter how long it takes or how long I may have to wait, I am going to see everything this book says I can see. I'm going to experience everything this book says I can experience. I want to be apostolic in everything. I love the apostolic doctrine. 
I love it. I love to talk about the oneness of God. I love to talk about baptism in the name of Jesus. I love to talk about the doctrine. I love to talk about separation from the world. I love to talk about all the wonders that are in the word of God. But I don't want to be apostolic in doctrine only. I want to be apostolic in my experience. And I'm not just talking about the day I received the Holy Ghost. I want to experience it every day of my life. Why do you receive the Holy Ghost? Did you receive the Holy Ghost to join some club? To say, oh, I got that. Check it off the to-do list. Well, it's salvation. Yeah, it's salvation. But you know, it's not a necessary part. God didn't have to make it a necessary part. I'm going to correct that. That's going to be edited, let me tell you. Receiving the Holy Ghost is necessary, but God didn't have to make it necessary. He had to wash our sins away. He had to carry them away from us in the tomb. But he didn't have to do the next part. That could have been it. And we could have lived our lives wandering around, never really experiencing him the way he wanted us to experience him. But we'd have been clean. But he gave us his spirit for a reason. Why did he fill us with the Holy Ghost? Why is that part of the plan of salvation? He tells us right here, it's so that you can receive power. And that power is to be a witness to others of what Jesus has done in your life. The plan of salvation is very simple. You have to repent of your sins. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But what I'm trying to explain to you, it isn't just something you check off the list. When you are baptized in Jesus' name, that is a singular moment in which your sins are washed away. When you repent of your sins, it is a singular moment in which your sins are forgiven. But when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's not to say, oh, I got it in this day and this year no you received the gift of the Holy Ghost so from that moment on it would be in you and operating through you it wasn't meant I've heard preachers say it's you know it's not a diploma it's a birth certificate but it's more than that it's the beginning of a whole new life. It's the beginning of a whole new life. The old life ended when I was baptized. That was the end. I repented. He forgave me. I was baptized. The old life ended. But when I was filled with his spirit, a new life, a new life began. And it wasn't so my new life could be like my old life. It wasn't meant to be part two. It was supposed to be a whole new book. Receiving the Holy Ghost wasn't an interlude. He gave you the Spirit for a reason, to use it. 
to use it. He didn't have to, but he did. God, in his great mercy, you know, Adam and Eve, they had it good. They were in paradise, but they didn't have Jesus in them. They got to walk with God in the cool of the evening, but they didn't have Jesus in them. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for their sin to restore that right relationship. But Adam and Eve didn't have the Holy Ghost. But we got something better. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I, I know what's going to happen. Oh, pastor says it's not. Yes, you have to receive the Holy Ghost to be saved. I'm going to read that scripture in a second. But what I'm telling you is Jesus didn't have to give us this gift. And that's what the scripture calls it, a gift. It calls it the promise of the Father. It was a gift. It was something better than what we had before. He didn't give us back what we used to have in the garden. He gave us something better. He gave us something better. Because in the cool of the garden, you could say, Adam, where are you? Oh, I'm coming, God. God's over there. Go walk with him. You know, and the apostles are walking with him for three and a half years. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is on the shore. Jesus is on the hillside. Jesus is in Peter's house. Jesus is here. Jesus is there. But after the day of Pentecost, it's not like that anymore. After the day of Pentecost, it's not Jesus is over here or Jesus is over there. It's Jesus is in here. And so wherever I go, Jesus goes. Wherever you go, Jesus goes. He gave us something better. He gave us something better. He didn't have to. But he gave us something powerful. And he said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why did he fill you with that power? Why? You know, my family, we enjoy guns. Some more than others. And we enjoy them. Collect them. Oil them. Nothing will incur incur the wrath of a strange than seeing someone who does not oil their gun. The sight of a rusty weapon makes our bishop almost lose out with God. <sighs> but at the same time, we use them. In fact, we've been told by collectors, said, you didn't shoot that, did you? Well, yes. In not a very safe manner at that. <laughs> we don't like wall hangers. Walked in, Bishop got a gun years and years ago, past the statute of limitations. As the anniversary gift here of being pastor, I think it was 25 years. He took it over to Conquerors Hall. I was not there. I was just a boy. He took it over to Conquerors Hall and decided he would test it out. It was winter. The men came later and found all the paint cans had a hole through them <laughs> and a hole through the block <laughs> on a gun that really probably shouldn't have been shot. It was over 150 years old. <laughs> but we don't like wall hangers. But you know, there's other groups of people, and they like guns too, but they don't like to use them. They just put it on the wall. 
They don't ever shoot it. They might not even have bullets for it. They just like to look at it. I've got it. Oh, you got this? Yeah, I've got that. Oh, you've got this? Yeah, I've got that. I never really understood it. You know, I, 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 I like books a lot. A whole lot. Very particular about them. I've spent years hunting some of them down. Years, literal years hunting some of them down. Found them. Some are extremely rare. You know why? Not because the world puts a big value on them, just because they were apostolic and they were only printed for a short time. Extremely rare. But you know what? I don't just stick it on the shelf. I read it. I read it. I use it. I put the bookmark in it. I dog ear the pages. I use it. A lot of times I ride in it. I bought it for the power that's contained in its pages. Not to look at it on the shelf. But you know what? We have a lot of apostolic collectors. And when they look at the book and they say, Oh, Peter said you got to repent. I've got that. I've got that. It happened on such and such a day. Oh, Peter said you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. I've got that. It happened on such and such a day. Been there. Got that. Bought the t-shirt. You got to get the Holy Ghost. The power of God inside you. Oh, I got that. Do you use it? No, but I got it. When's the last time you took it off the shelf? I got it. You see, it's not enough to be apostolic in doctrine. We've got to be apostolic in experience. And God did not fill you with his spirit so that you could sit back and say, I got that on my shelf. I got that hanging on the wall. He filled you with his spirit because he wanted you to have power power to be a witness power to use it power to pray the prayer of faith and watch the sick be healed watch God do the miraculous he gave you his spirit so that you would have the power to lay your hands on someone else and watch as he filled them with that same power he filled you with the Holy Ghost so you could be apostolic in experience and not just in name he filled you with the Spirit for a reason. You know where we see the birthday of the church? Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance that is where the church stepped on into the stage that is where the first apostolics are born on the day of Pentecost. Jesus had been training them, preparing them for this moment. But this is the birthplace of the apostolic church. 
In Acts chapter 2, after all the commotion is going on, the people are gathering around outside. There's thousands of them. They think they're drunk. Peter walks out and starts preaching. Said this, they're not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions, and so on. And when Peter's done preaching, this is what it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent! You've got to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you were baptized in the titles, I was so happy that you took a step of faith trying to do the best that you knew to follow after God. But you need to know what Peter said in Acts 2. That you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you need to know what he said in Acts 4. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And you got to know what Paul said to the Ephesian church. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. And there's only one baptism. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you must. Let's read it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That was to where the church began. Is it a one-time moment? Was it over after that? No, it wasn't after, over after that. We read it. And after that, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in it. They kept it up. And that's what's expected for you and I. We receive the Holy Ghost. We are expected to keep the doctrine of the apostles. We're supposed to keep walking in their footsteps. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We're supposed to keep following after them. You know what happened when they followed after the apostles? Wonderful things happened. They were persecuted. You say, that's not wonderful. Oh, it ended up being wonderful. It spread the gospel through the whole world. You know what they said after they were done being persecuted? Oh, in Acts 4, verse 29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they were persecuted, they said, Lord, you heard what they said? They're going to kill us? They're going to throw us in jail? What's it, what, do you want it, just, what do we want the Lord to do? We want him to make us bolder still. How are you going to get boldness? You're going to get boldness by being apostolic. These signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. 
How do you get boldness? By living like an apostolic Monday through Sunday and not just on a Sunday morning. You want to get bold, be apostolic at work. You want to be bold, be apostolic at school. You want to be bold. You got to live like an apostolic, talk like an apostolic, and walk like an apostolic. You know what happened as a result of them walking and continue to walk in the apostolic doctrine. This is what it says in Acts chapter 2 as it ends the chapter. And the Lord added to the church daily, daily, such as should be saved. By the time we get to Acts 5, it says they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. By the time we get to Acts 6, we skip from being addition and filling one city to the time we get to Acts 6, it says the disciples were multiplied. You know what? Multiplication's a whole lot bigger than addition. Two plus five is only seven, but two times five, that's ten. Multiplication starts jumping, leaping. It, it didn't stop there. By the time we get to Acts chapter the next seven, six in verse seven, but just seven verses later, it went from multiplying to it said the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. So it goes addition, filling a city, multiplication, multiplication greatly. We're not talking two times five or two times ten. We're talking two times a thousand. Multiplied greatly. And then you go ahead just a little while further in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. It said, these that have turned the world upside down. These that have turned the world upside down. You know who turned the world upside down? People who were following the apostolic doctrine. People who were living an apostolic experience. That's who turned the world upside down. These signs shall follow them that believe. Do you know how powerful you are? Do you have any idea how powerful you are? Do you know when you pray demons have to leave? Do you know when you pray, the sick can be healed? You say, well, that's for special preachers. No, it said these signs will follow them that believe. Do you know when you pray, cancer has to leave? You know when you pray, wheelchairs can be empty, crooked bones made straight, blinded eyes open. When you pray. Do you want to know how powerful you are? James, talking to the apostolic church, said, you believe that there's one God. You do well. The devil also believes, and he trembles. He trembles. You know what? He's not scared of a people that don't know the name. He's not scared of a people that don't exercise apostolic power and walk in apostolic experience. But when you've got a group of people who know who Jesus is and they're walking in his footsteps, doing what he said to do, following after his doctrine, it makes the devil scared. You are powerful. But 
here I come. And I sit. And I go through the motions. And I don't really expect anything to happen. Or maybe hope someone else will cause something to happen. What good is it? What good is it? So well, my body won't do what it used to. That's fine. Your prayers are just as powerful. Elders, you can create an atmosphere of power around you when you pray with expectation. Young people, you've got the energy to worship God. Do it with sincerity. Do it with passion. Do it with fervor. Walk with God. What does walking with God mean? It means tomorrow I'm still apostolic. It doesn't matter who's around or who's not around. I'm still apostolic. What would you do if there's a person who's dying in the church? And you're in a church service and you know someone's dying. What would you do when you're in here? Would you go pray for them? Why? Well, that's apostolic. Why don't you do it out there? If you have someone here and you know they haven't been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, would you go talk to them during the service about it? Ask them if they wanted to pray? Talk to them about the Word, see if they wanted to get a Bible study together, see if they wanted to learn more? Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Why don't you do it out there? I don't want to take my apostolic badge off and sit it on the pew and pick it back up again next week. But I want to live an apostolic life because I want to see apostolic miracles apostolic signs and apostolic wonders. I want to live it, not just in here, but I want to live it out there. These signs shall follow. Where are you going? The signs are supposed to follow you. Where are you headed? The signs are supposed to follow you. These signs shall follow them that believe. You know what? I don't want to live like a regu- like any other denomination throughout the week. I want to still be apostolic when I go out. You know what? I expect to be apostolic in here, and I expect to live as like an apostolic out there. I don't want to come in and just be a denominal and just cookie-cutter church when I'm in here. And I don't want to just be a denominal cookie-cutter Christian out there, but I want to walk in the apostolic experience, live in the apostolic experience. I want to do what they did because I want to see what they saw. I want to be apostolic. Stand with me across this place. Lift your hands, lift your voices. Oh, why don't
don't you walk out of your pew right now and make a commitment to the Lord. I'm going to walk. I'm going to live. I'm going to talk. I'm going to be an apostolic Lord. I'm going to follow in your doctrine. I'm going to follow in your experience every day, every day, every day, every day. Every day. 